My Bible? It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Our scripture today comes from Matthew, the 20th chapter, uh, verse 25 and 26. The Bible says this, But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Somebody say, yeah. yeah. He says, Now yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. Amen? Some of your Bible probably say slave, servant, same, same, same connotation, but you may be seated. Well, this is going to um, be our first sermon that we're going to start uh, in a little series that we're going to connect uh, to our theme, the year of great stewardship, and we're just going to kind of subtitle this, Serve Your Way to Greatness. Serve your way to greatness. You know, serve is to wait upon, to care for, to perform duties or services for another. Also, it means ministry done for God's glory and the benefit of others. You know, now greatness in the kingdom of heaven consists of doing rather than just being. And specifically in doing for others rather than being concerned just about yourself. You know, this passage is a passage that uh, Dr. Martin Luther King often used when he talked about his work in ministry. You know, even though he was an accomplished man in many areas of his life, he wanted to serve his way to greatness. He once said that anyone can be great because anyone can serve. You know, I was looking back and I saw that most fraternal a Greek letter organization have a tenant or component of their core belief that is centered around service. Even in the Air Force, I don't know if they still use that, but when I was in, one of our core values was service before self. Now, Dr. King did not mean in a way of saying only occupying a service position. Rather, he meant having an attitude of life that freely attends to the needs of others without expecting or demanding anything in return, regardless of your title or position or lack thereof in life or in the church. See, Jesus did not condemn the desire to improve yourself or to improve your position or state in life, but he did teach and made it very clear that in his kingdom, somebody say his kingdom, his kingdom was not determined by, by status, but by service. Amen? So if you would, go to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Most of my time is going to be spent here. Luke chapter 7, verse 36, and I'm going to read this whole dialogue that goes forth uh, in this particular passage of Scripture. Here I want you to see that 
humble sinners. Somebody say sinners. sinners. Say it like you used to be one. Amen. Y'all ain't got to be scared to say that. You're a humble sinner now. But I don't care who you are, where you come from, which side of the track you was born on, you used to be. Amen. And there are some of us who are still growing in the Lord, and occasionally we still. But I want to address the humble sinners who come to the Lord in faith and serve him. Uh, they need to know that they will be forgiven. And then their service can serve as a memorial for the ages. In this passage, we're going to see this woman was living in the moment. She was fully present and aware of who Jesus was, yet not emotionally or mentally hindered by her current station in life. See, sometimes you allow where you are in life to keep you from going where God wants you to be. And at some point in time, you and your past got to be reconciled. And the current things you're doing that may not be consistent with this word, you got to realize that there is a way out of it. Amen. And, and so this woman was living in the moment. She wasn't caught up in the fact that she had a kind of jagged past. You know, and it wasn't one of those pasts that was kept in the dark. Folk knew about her. The religious folk knew about her. And so what we find here is that on several occasions, you know, Jesus had no problem going to dinner with religious leaders. He often also went to dinner with those people who were considered notorious sinners. But what I want you to see in this passage is how he contrasts the lack of service of this self-righteous Pharisee with the service of this sinful woman. Y'all follow me so far? So now in verse 36, he says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. Somebody say an invitation. You know, Jesus don't mind accepting invitations. Amen. If you give him an invitation to come in your heart, he'll come. And it don't make no difference what your heart is like when you give him the invitation. And so some of us got to realize that, hey, it's nothing wrong with giving a Jesus an invitation. This Pharisee gave him an invitation. Jesus did not run away from the invitation, so he's not going to run away from you. And so, but, but he wanted Jesus to come in his house to sit down and eat with him. Now, there's a lot of analogies out there to say, you know, the Pharisees never had good motives when they invited Jesus into their circle. Most of the time, they invited him to question him, quiz him, or try to catch him in some contradiction that would violate the law. So now, somehow, what we're going to see in verse 37, when he invited him into his home to, to sit down and eat, that we're going to see a lady that comes to him in humility and contrition. When I look at verse 37... It says, when a certain immoral, somebody say immoral. So there is something about being moral and immoral. Don't get quiet. And so you may have been immoral, but when you come to Jesus, you want to try to get moral. We all have been immoral, but when we come to him, I intend I to try to be, what do I need to do to be morally? 
Correct. So a certain woman who was immoral from that city heard he was eating there. She brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with him, I say expensive, expensive perfume. Now, you know, the story has it that Cliff, she may have been a lady of the evening. You know, so for her client, she may have to smell Good. There's a possibility. Whatever she was doing, it was not done in the darkness because the religious folk knew about her. But nevertheless, when a rabbi came to town and he had an open session, people would come in just to sit down and hear what he had to say. What's the latest teaching? What's the latest thing going around? So I know that they done invited the religious folk, but I want to get in there and see what this teaching is about myself. I done heard about him. I done heard what he can do for people, but now I need to experience him up and close for mine. And I'm not going to allow my current station in life to keep me from going in, because I know folk talking about me. I know they saying things that just make me look bad. But I'm going to someone that can change my station and station and, sta- and status in life. So, so now, an immoral woman. Don't be too hard on the woman. Because all of us are So as I read this, kind of picture yourself. Don't, don't get so caught up in the woman and start, you know, low down in her. Because some of us are just low. They're just low down. Immoral. Amen. And so when we look at this, this woman came and she brought some very expensive perfume. Now the Bible says, then she knelt behind his feet, weeping, sorrowful, contrition. Now, in order to get this picture, you got to understand, they weren't sitting in chairs like we would sit today. They were more or less kind of like laying on little couches where your feet would be up under you. You would lean forward, your feet would be behind you. So that's how she could get access to Jesus' feet. And so she lay, knelt behind his feet, weeping. Somebody said weeping. You know, there's nothing wrong with you crying for what you done did. Amen. I mean, sometimes some of the stuff we done did in life ought to just bring us to tears. I mean, you really feel sorry for some of the things you did. You know, your heart is being convicted and, and you want to make a change in your life, but you can't make a change until you start feeling sorry for what you're doing. Because until then, you ain't going to see nothing wrong with what you're doing. So she was weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept, somebody say kissing. I-N-G, kissing. His feet. <laughs> that would have hurt some of y'all right there. That's just going too far. She, she ain't had to do all that. You know, she already wiped his hat with, with her hair. Now she's going to start. His feet and putting perfume on them. And see, when you understand and see contrition in that and and humility, you understand why the psalmist said that the sacrifice of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. In other words, 
when you come to God with the right attitude, when you come with that spirit of humility with a broken and contrite heart, it don't make no difference what you did in your life of immorality. He's not going to turn his back on you. I'm glad that we serve a Savior that can look past our mess and see our need. And Jesus understood what this woman's need was, but she had to first come with the right spirit. See, you got to come to the Lord with the right. You got to come with that humility, humbleness, and saying, look, God, I realized what I've been doing was wrong. And now I know I'm in the presence of someone who can change my circumstances. Now look at this. This is what happens, you know, when you're around self-righteous folk. Now, I heard the men talking today about judging and all that, and I know the world put us on a guilt trip sometimes, but there's nothing wrong with calling sin, sin. You judge when you tell people where they're going as a result of that sin. You don't have a heaven or hell to put nobody in, so you can't condemn nobody to go to hell. But you can say, if you align, that's a sin. Nothing wrong with that. But don't just say because you lie, God going to send you to hell. Well, God may not see things like I see it. He may look past some things because he know your heart's going. So she was kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Now, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to him, Somebody say to himself, you know, you can say some stuff to yourself too. Your mind will talk to you and say some things to you. But just because don't nobody hear what you and your mind is saying to each other, God does. <laughs> I may not know what you're thinking right now. God does. Some of y'all may be sitting there thinking, where is he headed with this? But God already know your thoughts. So, so don't, don't get concerned about, you know, the fact that God knows your thoughts. What you need to get concerned about is that any thought that comes into your mind, you can take it captive. You don't have to entertain the thought because the thought's going to come. So, so, so Simon here, he invited Jesus to dinner, but you know he started having some thoughts. Because he said to him, look what he said. If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching his feet or touching him. She is a sinner. And all right, man, if you was real rabbi, you ought to have some discernment. And your discernment ought to tell you, you need to get away from This girl's going to take you down a path you don't want to go down. And she's not kissing your toes, too. Man, you better, if you knew what kind of woman was touching you, boy. See, this fella didn't understand that holiness didn't mean pushing people away from you because you were self-righteous. Holiness is how you present yourself in the midst of unrighteous folk. It's a character trait that we can have even though we're sitting in the midst of... Say, what kind of woman? She's a sinner. Now look at this, and that's how I know God can... Know what you're thinking? Because the Bible says, then Jesus answered his thoughts. <laughs> you know, you know you're in touch with God when you can hear him answer your 
You, some of y'all are just getting educated right here, right now. So I'm telling you, sometimes when you have them crazy thoughts running through your head, then you need to check yourself and catch yourself and see what, God, what did you just hear? God, what did you just because until you start checking yourself, you're going to keep entertaining them. So Jesus answered his thoughts. Look what he said. Simon, he said to the Pharisees, I have something to say to you. You know, the Pharisees self-righteous, you know, when the rabbi want to talk to me, you know, I'm going to let him talk. So he says, go ahead, teacher. Simon replied. Now, now look, Jesus know he was dealing with a hardcore guy, Claire. So, you know, anytime you're dealing with hardcore people, you kind of come at them with a story. You just can't come at them straight up. Huh. Let me help some married folks right here. Sometimes when you need to confront your husband, you just can't come at him hard. You got to come at him with a story. Tell him a little story about something he like doing. He's a mechanic. Talk about cars for a minute. You know how you feel when you're going down the street and your car misfiring and, you know, the engine die on you on the road and all that? You, how does that make you feel? Man, I feel, I feel terrible when that happens. That's how you make me feel when you lie to me. But see, you can't just go at him. You lying, no good, no. No, no. You, you got to tell the brother story. That's what the prophet had to do to David. He couldn't just go to David and say, you low-down king, you an adulterer. You've been sleeping with another man's wife and had the man killed. He would have got killed himself. So he had to tell David, man had a little lamb. Didn't have but one. But another rich man had all kinds of lambs. And he came and took this little man's lamb. David said, you know, that's a low-down rascal. He deserved to be killed. And the prophet said, look here, I'm talking about him. Sometimes a story can help convict people without you having to say it. Amen. So he said, go ahead, teacher, Sam replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people. Somebody say two people. One person, 500 pieces of silver to one, and the other, he said, 50 pieces of silver to the other. Now, just get this. This is the important part. Jesus telling the story. You got to follow the story. But neither, somebody say neither. Neither of them could repay him. See, the amount of money that they owed him didn't matter. Because both of them were broke. Just one was owed him more money, but broke is the same thing. Broke. <laughs> you know, we insolvent. We ain't got no more money in the bank. We, you know, we just flat out. And so when you just flat out broke, if you owe a person $50, it is no different if somebody flat out broke and owe five. Because both of y'all are, both of these people were in the same state, broke. But neither could repay him, so he kindly, somebody say kindly, forgave them both. Canceling their debt. I see debt cancellation in there. Now, he, he said, telling this story, he said, now, he done gave him an analogy, two people that owed him some money, one 500, the other one 50, we'll just use it like that. And he says, now, Simon, who do you suppose 
loved him more after that. You know, Jesus probably, you know, even, even this self-righteous Pharisee going to get that one. Some of you sitting right here in this congregation today, you ain't never been to seminary, but you know the answer to that one. I don't even have to read the rest of that story. If you just put yourself in that position where you owe somebody $500 and then somebody else owed them just $50 and then he forgave both of y'all, the guy who forgave for $50, his attitude may be a little bit different than yours. Because you owed him more. But it didn't make no difference, Cliff, because both of y'all was... Y'all better, y'all better hear. Because brokenness made both of y'all... Y'all better hear me today. So if you're a sinner, it don't make no difference. We all evil. <laughs> some of your sin may have been hoarding around, sleeping around and stealing, and some of you just been, may have been just a, a, a sinner with your bad mouth. You know, you came up all right. You never had sex outside of marriage. You didn't do any of that type of stuff. You ain't never steal from nobody, but you just had a... But you still a sinner... And you're still broke, and you need somebody to redeem your debt. And so what I'm trying to talk to you is some of y'all that just had a bad mouth. Don't get self-righteous because you got married and you was a virgin, and now you're going to be hard on every non-virgin because you just made it there. And that virgin thing can work both ways. They slept around. He done forgave them too. I, I didn't have sex till I got married. Yeah, but you talked about folks all the way up to that time. So the debt was canceled, and Jesus asked Simon, who do you suppose loved him more after that? Look what Simon says. Simon answered, I suppose. I suppose. You know. You ain't got to suppose. You know. The one whom he canceled the larger debt. Jesus and me say, that's right. Simon, you get A on that test. You got that. Now look at this. Then he turned to Simon. And I want you to see this critical contrast here. He turned to Simon. He said, now look, Simon. Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you did not even offer me water to wash the dust off my feet. That was a custom. That was something that someone normally do because it was dust so that when you enter the person's house, they normally did that or they had a servant or a slave to, to wash your feet. He said, so you didn't even wash the dust off my feet. That's why some people now, it's, it's in their custom, when you go to some folks' house, they expect you to take your shoes off. But they don't want you tracking their dust, your dust in, in their house. Now, you know most of us here in America don't do that, but if you go to overseas, some in a foreign country, it's understood that when you go to somebody's house, you're going to take your shoes off. Maybe that's something we can start doing here now, too. Just take your shoes off. I can see some of y'all mind working now. You just don't know what kind of socks I got on. I can, you, you, <laughs> that make you feel, I shouldn't have put these holy socks on. You worried about the wrong? He said, now, look at this woman kneeling here. 
when I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. First contrast. Then he says, you didn't even greet me with a kiss. In other words, it was customary when you greet people. That's why if you look at some of those countries now, people always hug each other when they meet each other. They do that little double kiss. Just look at old countries over in the Middle East. They still do that. Here in America, we don't play that. You know, you may do it with somebody close to you, but we, we don't normally just walk a brother on the wall. But ain't nothing wrong with that. That don't make you nothing different. That's just how you greet someone that you hold in high esteem, that you, that you recognize them and they recognize you. So the best, well, if, you, if you ain't going to hug me, at least shake. At least shake hands. And, and, and I know COVID over for the most part now, so you all right. You shaking everything else. You might as well shake hands with So that was a custom. He says now, you didn't even greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my... See, the only way you and I could get to that level of humility, we have to really know that's Jesus. Because <laughs> some of y'all didn't into that kissing no feet thing. You know what? I think some folks' marriages would be better if they just had some foot kissing ceremonies. <laughs> Wait, Anthony. No, don't, don't, don't get him. Anthony, leave me alone now. Leave me alone. But I'm, I'm just trying to help somebody. I mean, you, ain't that wrong? If you love your wife and you say it's for life, or you love your husband for life, there's more bacteria in his mouth. But your, hum your mind can't get to that level of humility. And so this lady understood how she needed to humble herself before Jesus and she didn't care what anybody thought. That's your husband. That's your wife. Who cares? And why should you care? I just believe that that assured level of humility in your relationship that you never even dreamed of. See, some of y'all want to be heroic. If somebody was trying to shoot your wife, you'll st step in front of the bullet. That's okay. You can do this and live. This ain't going to kill you. I, I don't think she wants you to die for her, but I don't think she'll have a problem with you. I'm just trying to help somebody here because I don't see nowhere in the Bible that that's sinful. And if it had been a sin, look like Jesus said, baby, look here. Get up. Don't, 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 don't kiss my feet now. You, it's all right. You to cry over them. It's all right for you to know them with oil. But, but look at baby now, baby girl. No, mm -mm. no you, you ain't got to do all that. 
Look at this, verse 46. He says, you neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head. Because it was dry over there, people normally came in. They needed to be refreshed. Oil is a symbol of refreshing. So look, you neglected that. He said, but she has not, has, and, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. You know, when something is rare, that means it's almost like one of a, oh Lord, I'm finna mess with y'all theology right here, right now. But if you just look at you, when you offer yourself to Jesus, you offered him one of a, you're a rare commodity when you're treating yourself like you junk. Ain't nobody else in this earth like that's why your thumbprint is different from everybody. You're rare. And so when you come to Jesus, you ain't got to bring no rare perfume. Just bring you. If you bring you, you're bringing him something that's unique and rare. And guess what? If you come with the right attitude, he'll accept you regardless of what you did before. Can nobody come to him for you but you? So she anointed my feet with rare perfume. Some of us wear expensive stuff, perfume, cologne, that other folk can't buy. But it ain't rare. Because just as much money you got to buy it at $500 ounce or $1,000 ounce, that's somebody else out there got it too. It ain't rare. It's just expensive. <laughs> but it ain't one of a kind that ain't nobody else in the world so she brought some rare perfume, which meant it was expensive perfume. See, when you give the Lord your best, he would accept your best because your best is just the best of you. And it's rare. And he will not turn you away because can't nobody replace Stop looking at yourself as some cheap imitation, imitation of somebody else. When you come to the Lord, you need to come for yourself in your own way with your own sin and humble yourself before him and believe that he will forgive you just like he received this woman. Now look at this. Look at verse 47. Let me go on here. He says now, he's still talking to Simon. He says, I tell you her sins, and they are many. See, Jesus did not overlook her sin. That was a fact. The religious folk already knew she was sinning. So Jesus didn't try to come and say, hey, you know, y'all been wrong about her. No. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, but the bottom line is, they have been forgiven. So she has shown me much, somebody say much love. He, much love. She has shown me much love. See, right now, can I just spend a moment, Cliff, talking to some people who know about much love? See, because some of y'all just got little love. I ain't talking to y'all little love, folks, because y'all think y'all was all right when y'all got saved. You hadn't done anything wrong. You know, you brought up in a good two-family home, and you didn't have to steal. You didn't have to do that. You know, you just had a lot of things just came easy to you. So you may not feel like you got to show him I just want to talk for about 30 seconds to somebody who needed to show him. I mean, because your resume and your rap sheet was so long that, that you had to show him. 
if I could get a couple of much love folks to stand up and just give him some praise right now. And then all of you who, who feel like you don't need to give him but a little bit of love, you can just join in. But I'm talking to the, the much love crowd right now. I'm talking to those people who know that he forgave them for much. Just think about it in your mind, what you did before you came to him. And I'll let you know, hey, I'm in the, I'm in the much love category. I need to be showing him much love when he do something for me. When he, for what he's done, I need to show him much love. So you can imagine what this woman felt like. Hey, look, he forgave me so much. How could I not give him much love back? Why am I going to shortchange Jesus when it comes to me giving him love back? So I need to give him the praise that he deserves. I need to give him the worship that he deserves. And I need to give him my best praise, my best worship, my best offering. Why? Because he forgave me much. Hallelujah. Oh, boy, if this was the old church, I'll stop right now, and we'll start having some testimony to let, let people know just how much he, just how much he forgave you. Just how much he looked over from your past and allowed you to come into his presence. Oh, God, I don't mean to get excited right there, but it's just that much thing got me right there because I know which category I was in. I was much. My resume was pretty long, Brother Purdue. You know, if I was standing before the judge, the, the, the clerk would pull out a rap sheet. And he'd just be reading and reading. Somebody could say, where did he go get to the end of what all that fella done did? But at the end of the day, I came in the court with the right attitude, with the right spirit, with the right mind. And for some reason, the judge say, I'm going to forgive you, Cliff. I'm going to forgive everything. Oh, God. He said, I look. No, man, he tell you. Y'all see, sit down, sit down. He said, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only... See, they ain't going to kiss my feet. They may come and anoint my head and all that, but they ain't going to... So I'm going back to y'all married folks. Are y'all ready to show y'all husband, y'all wife some much? Y'all can't even wrap your mind around that thing. You, you, you know, it, you may be listening to something that can change your whole marriage. Because it'll put you at a whole nother level of humility. Jesus is going to have to come back and tell me that, not you, Pastor. Well, I thought y'all said I speak for the Lord when I read the word. You know, you, you can't take the word that's coming from the Lord. Let me read on. Let me go on because I know that that didn't go over. I thought that would be a hit with the marriage folk, but I see right now. Latham, we need to add that to the, to the marriage session. Amen. Good example right there. Much love. Baby, I just need you to show me. Now look at this. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are for 
Jesus had the divine authority to forgive sins. And look what happened when your sins are forgiven and other folks know what your past was like. Then they don't, instead of them celebrating and jumping them down a cliff, they start thinking, who, is, who does this dude think he is? <laughs> you done invited him to dinner, but now all of a sudden he say he's going to forgive the lady. You got a problem with it. And said, now look, then the men at the table said amongst themselves. You know they were talking among themselves, but he, you know he know what they were saying. Who is this man that he goes around forgiving? You know, Jesus didn't even stop with them that nonsense. Y'all got to stop entertaining everybody to ask y'all some crazy stuff sometimes. You just got to say, man, look here. Let me go and deal with this lady. She the one that needs the help. These guys think they don't need no help. You know, they, they little sin. They little sin people. They didn't think they were sinful anyway. They thought they was all that when they were born. They were born on the right side of the track. So I ain't got time for them. Let me go and celebrate this woman who say, look, she realized she had been forgiven much, and therefore she wanted to forgive, going to give much back. Now look at this. Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Faith is what gets us into that relationship with God because you got to believe that he is before you ever see him. You, you just got to have a faith to believe that he is the son of God, that he died for your sin, and as a result of that, you have a way back to God. You have a way back to the tree of life. It is our faith that makes us acceptable to the Lord, not our works. She did some great things for him, but it was because she had the faith to believe who he was. She had the faith to believe that she was in the presence of someone who could change her life. Then he tells her, Brother Moses, I thought strange. Then he said, now go in. Your mind got to be clear that you know who you are. Because the minute you get up from here and after what you done did, them folk out there are going to be talking about you. And they're going to still remember your... And they're going to still see you like they want to see you in your past. You got to let them know, hey, I walk in the newness of life now, baby. I done been next to the master. The master has forgiven my sins. So because my sins have been forgiven, I'm not going to allow you to put me back in the bondage. Because look here, I showed him much. Somebody say much love. Much love. Look, God Almighty. You see when the Bible used terms like that. That gives you the ability to define it, define it however you want to. So Pastor Bolden is just going to say this to all y'all who are dating, married, whatever situation you're in. Then, and I, I learned it from Brother Lathan because he always asked him, how does that look? Just ask him, baby, I want to offer you much love. Now tell me, what does that look like to you? So that when I start offering, I'm not scratching the wrong itch. Because your much and my much may be two different things. But if you tell me what your much is, and I can meet your much, then I don't need to hear your mouth. Both ways. Because I met your... But if I don't know your much and I'm doing what I think is much and you ain't receiving it then now I'm going to be tight so he said go in peace 
You've got to have peace of mind, and you've got to know that when you accept Jesus Christ, you are at peace with God, and then now he wants you to be at peace with yourself, and then you need to know how to be at peace with other people, mankind. Amen? Now, if you would, let me just go ahead and close. Uh, I want to close over here in Luke, Luke chapter 23. This is a little short passage of scripture, but I want to close with a quick look at Simon. Simon in chapter 23. Simon, a man from Africa. Somebody say from Africa. Somebody say Africa like you ain't scared to say it. Africa, that's right. Africa is, you know, I think the largest continent on earth, the richest continent on earth. And most folks say we came from there, so you shouldn't have no problem saying, uh-huh, sometimes you even qualify yourself as an African. So therefore, when I say say African, you shouldn't be ashamed to say it. But this African was forced into service. The Bible make it look like, you know, he didn't volunteer for this assignment, but he was forced into it. And, 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 and he was forced into an assignment where he had to serve the Savior of the world when he couldn't go no further with that cross. Because he had been beat down, you know, and he was out of breath, almost dying before he got to his assignment. But God saw fit to have an African in the crowd. Now, can I be honest with you all and, and share you with you my, my, how I used to look at this passage in a negative way because of how people painted Africans? You know, I was operating from my Eurocentric indoctrination instead of my Afrocentric, you know, imagination. And see, when I put my Afrocentric imagination on things, it changed my whole outlook and perspective on this passage. See, when I used to see this passage played out in Hollywood, the crowd were all Anglo-Saxons for the most part in Hollywood. And here Jesus is getting the beat down, and he looked more Anglo than he loves anything else. But so Hollywood had me to believe that they looked out in the crowd and picked this one little black guy. And I'm saying, why they had to go out there and pick this one little black guy and make him the slave? Why couldn't they have got well, somebody else to carry that? But Hollywood wanted me to always see myself as a, as a slave. I, see, I could have been the wrong, but could you imagine Hollywood letting a black person beat up Jesus? especially if it was blonde hair and blue eyes, Jesus, that optic just wouldn't look right. So Hollywood had me looking at this thing from a viewpoint that, hey, man, I don't even want to identify with Simon. But when I read this and understand Africa, and no matter how the Europeans tried to Europeanize Africa, by definition it means dark land. Amen. <laughs> and they weren't calling it the dark land because the dirt was black. It was called the dark land because the people there were black. And so what I'm trying to tell you now, when I look at this from my African, you know, American perspective, then all I see now is another brother helping a brother. Y'all missed that right there. 
I see a brother coming to the rescue. I see God using somebody that looked like me to help his son complete his mission. Now, Lord, look on the Simon changed tremendously now because Simon is the hero in this thing along with Jesus. If Jesus don't complete his mission, if he die right there, he don't get to the cross. So therefore, the guy that I look down on say, why did you make him black? Now I'm glad that you made him black because I got a different viewpoint of how I see. Oh, my God. This is my black history message if y'all ain't figured it out yet. Since it is February, I think I'm authorized to go in the Bible and pick out some folk that may have a good, strong possibility. And you know what? If the Eurocentric viewpoint had been really honest, probably half of those folk in that crowd looked like Simon. I got real quiet right there. I just want y'all to ponder that because I want to change your indoctrination just a little bit. What you see created by Michelangelo ain't really who Jesus looked like. Now, I ain't going to say he was this, that, and other, but I'm just saying he didn't have blonde hair and blue eyes. I think I can go on the record saying that. So I know he in grandmama's house, along with Martin Luther King and, and John F. Kennedy, and you got Jesus there in the middle, and, but I'm trying to change your perspective of who, what he looked like. The Bible says hair was like lambs. Now, it may not be nappy, but it had to be curly. And his feet were like bronze. They may not have been black, but they definitely went ivory. But if all you have seen is the ivory version, in your mind that must be true because you don't know them. We are a product of our indoctrination. Indoctrination. I can't remember his name, but he wrote this powerful book called The Miseducation of the Negro. I, I, his name, he, he a powerful name. I ain't going to think of it right now. But the, what the Duval, The Miseducation of the Negro. And because we were miseducated, we think less of ourselves. We don't value ourselves like God values us. We have been educated to hate ourselves to see ourselves as less than. That's why we would do things to ourselves that we won't do to nobody. You have been engineered to think the way you think. You didn't just get here by happenstance. Someone on purpose engineered you to think less of yourself. And when you don't see no value in you, you're not going to see any value in me. Because everything that looks like you has been painted as evil and negative. So when I beat up Cliff, I ain't beating up a human. I'm beating up something that's evil and negative. So therefore I create cakes. And I say angel food cake. And when I say that, automatically y'all mind going to go to a white cake. 
Why? Because you have been conditioned to believe that. If I brought a cake right in here now and it was a chocolate cake, and I said, hey, this is my angel food cake, some of y'all go, what? There ain't no angel food cake. That's devil food cake. Who told you that? Somebody miseducated. And it's hard to break down that miseducation would have been drilled in your head over and over and over. And for some of you, it may be too late to change your mindset. But I'm trying to talk to your grandchildren. And I want you to talk to your grandchildren because some of you have been programmed so hard and for so long that you ain't going to change. But look, at you can make a difference in your grandchildren's life. When you start reading this Bible to them and you let them know that, hey, you have a place in God's word and you're not always beneath. I wasn't supposed to say all that, but since, like I say, that's my black history speech, so if anybody get mad, just say he was in that month. This was the month y'all gave him, and so y'all, y'all didn't give him the whole year to talk about this. Y'all just gave him one month to talk about it, so he's just going to take advantage of the month. I don't, I don't believe, and I'm tired of hearing folks that, I, I just don't believe God see color. You lying. He created color. The rainbow is a bunch of colors. Now look at this. Let me just go and read it. I don't say what I had to say, so now let me read the scriptures. He says, as they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene. Now, if you don't go look up that, you just see Cyrene and you don't think nothing of it because y'all Europeans. Cyrene don't mean nothing to y'all. But then you look it up, and it say that, you know, Cyrene is in Africa, at the Horn of Africa, that what we call modern-day Libya. If they had to put Libya there, you would have probably broke the code. Libya is in, even though the Europeans tried to Europeanize that corner of Africa, Egypt, Libya, Ethiopia, and make you think that that is no longer a part of, See, I tell y'all this story all the time. When Jesus was running for his life, he spent his infant years in Africa. In, somebody say Africa. Y'all ain't got to be scared to say he's, that's what the Bible says. When they was trying to kill all the babies, they sent him to. So it's a good possibility that this African had heard stories about this Messiah and didn't mind getting called into service because my ancestor told me about this Messiah that spent some time in. Let me read on. I can see the tension getting a little tight in here because somebody's going to send me an email. You can send me a letter. We can talk about it later. But I'm just reading what it said here and trying to break it down. He says, now, as they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, happened to be going, coming in from the countryside. Then the soldiers seized him and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. And that used to just upset me so bad. Why they got to go seize the brother and make him be the one carrying the cross? They could have got all them other people in Hollywood to play that part, but they went and got one of us to give us a little bit of role. 
when in reality, we should have been playing the role that Hugh Brenner used to play in, in the Ten Commandments. The, the person that played Pharaoh in the Ten Commandments should have looked more like you than he looked like Hugh. And it's a good possibility that Moses should have looked more like you than Charleston Hester. But because you were engineered to accept that, that was your reality. So the soldiers seized him and put a cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. Now look at this. A, a large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. So when Peter was nowhere to be found, God had an African. When James was running for his life, God had a... When the Bartholomew was hiding out, and the lesser James and Thaddeus, when all the poor were hiding and running for their life, God found Africa. You would have thought one of his closest disciples would have said, come on, bro, I'm here to help you out. I know you're going through. But them boys was hiding, but God found us. Oh, Lord. And that Africa now is remembered and read about more than half of Jesus' disciples. Y'all don't even know the half of his disciples name after you get past Peter, James, and John. You may know Judas because he's the bad guy. But the rest of them, you might, who, 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 Bartholomew, Thaddeus, James the Lesser. No, Simon the Greater, because he served his way to what somebody thought was going to be a job that nobody will ever recognize, bold and some over 2,000 years later, is still celebrating, <laughs> celebrating Simon, the African. I'm done. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I done gave y'all a little too much black history, but I ain't mad about it. Amen. Amen. And look here. It's worth it if you really want to get an Afrocentric viewpoint of the scripture sometimes, they got a, a Bible that is just that African-American heritage Bible. And they kind of do a good job of identifying characters in the Bible that has the potential to look like you. But because we've always been dealt a Eurocentric viewpoint, we never saw ourselves in those lights. Now, I'm not trying to turn you against folk all that. I'm just trying to break some truth off to you. You can do what you want with the truth, and you can walk around here still seeing yourself like Stephen Fletcher. And all you're going to ever know how to do is dance and tap and do this. When I'm saying educators came out of Africa, great minds came out of Africa, mathematics started in. Man, the Greeks knew it when they started talking about the people after. You better, oh God, I'm through. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Mm. You may be here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as the partner of your sin. He is our Savior. He's the one who came and died for us. And so because of that, 
He's freely given us a way back to the Father. And I just want to extend this invitation to you. If you're in the house, just raise your hand. If you're online, you can just send us an instant message right now. Just chat with us and let us know that you want to give your life to Christ. And we will gladly get your information and get in contact with you. Because I believe that everybody needs to know who Jesus is, the Savior of the world who came to die for all mankind. All of us was outside the ark of safety, but like that woman, we had to come out of that sinful life and come in contact with the Lord. Don't miss your moment. Don't miss your time when God is speaking to your heart and telling you to give your life to the Lord. You've been, you've been outside long enough. Now he's saying it's time for you to let him into your heart. Your life ain't going to change automatically overnight just because you let him in. You're going to have to allow him to make some adjustments in your heart and in your mind. But I tell you, if you just open yourself up to him with a spirit of humility and obedience, I tell you, he will transform you into a new creation. You won't be the same person, but you got a part to play in it. So if that is you and you want to know more about Jesus, just please raise your hand and send us a message. I see no hands raised. I see no hands raised. And I take it that all are saved. Unless there's someone online, we will get in touch with you. My second appeal, if you're here and you're looking for a church home and the Spirit of God is saying striving for perfection ministry is the place for you, please raise your hand. Or even if you're online, send us a message and we will definitely get in touch with you. We would love to have you as a part of this body. And that is your desire. Please, please raise your hand. Then my third appeal is for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Evidence speaking in other tongues has nothing to do with your salvation. Your salvation is connected to your belief, your faith, just like the woman that was at Jesus' feet. But if you desire to know more about the gift of the Holy Spirit, please raise your hand. We have ministers that will share some information with you to reveal to you exactly what the scriptures say about the movement and the operation of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. So if that is you, please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. I see no hands. Then my final appeal is for our altar time, for prayer time. If you're here and you would like to have prayer, you can come to the altar. You can stand at your seat or you can come to the altar, stand or kneel, however you so feel led. We just want to have an altar prayer, a time at the altar where God will Speak to our hearts. I'm going to ask Minister Latham if he would get a mic. And uh, as you're standing or kneeling or sitting, just get your heart and your mind in a place of prayer. And uh, come and lead us in this word of prayer, if you will. Because prayer is a, a tool that we have that can transcend location, that can transcend time. You could be praying for people all around the world right now. Most of you have been keeping up, and I heard the men talk about it, about the earthquake over in Turkey and Syria. You know, that's the part of the world a lot of the Bibles talk about when Paul was traveling. You know, some of these places have had earthquakes before. They're recorded. Some of the, the major religious places got wiped out because of earthquakes. But if you have no sense of geography and no where those journeys took place, it don't mean anything to you. But when you get a sense of geography and you know how rich that part of the world is, you want to lift up a prayer, even if it was in California, any place else. But if you got a heart and a mind to pray, 
It ought to be an attitude that come over you whenever you hear about something that ought to be lifted up in prayer. It don't have to be long, but it got to be sincere. So, Brother Latham, if y'all are standing, if you want to, sit and kneel however you want. If you want to come to the altar, please do so at this time. Hallelujah. 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 Make your petitions known. Let us pray. Dear God, we just come, first and foremost, God, recognizing that you're the all-knowing and all-powerful God. Yes. That you created all men in your image, God. And so, God, we come, O oh Father God, thanking you, O oh Father God, for creating us in your image, God, in your likeness, God, in your yes, being, Lord. God. Now, God, we come, O oh Father God, we want to say thank you, God. Thank you, Father God, for how you continue to provide your provisions to us throughout the years, God. God, we thank you for this day, God, for allowing us to be enlightened, O oh Father God, on the message of serving our way to greatness. Yes, Lord. Serving our way to greatness. And so, God, we accept that challenge, God, to serve you, God, to serve you with our whole heart, God, to serve you like we've never, ever served you before. Yes, Lord. God, we stand ready to answer that challenge, God. God, show us those areas in our lives, God, that we need, oh, Father God, to pick up the pace. Yes, Lord. And serve you in that capacity, God. God, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the man of God. And we pray, oh, Father God, that the word has fallen on good ground. We will take the word that we've heard today, and we will run this race with swiftness, God. We thank you in advance, oh, Father God, for what you're going to do with our lives after we run this race. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And the church said amen. 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 Give the Lord a hand, clap of praise, if you will. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 We thank God for each and every one of you for taking time out of your day to be here. We thank God for those who are online.